This episode of Pots vs. Pete's was originally recorded March 9th of 2018. It was posted April 20th of 2018. This is your official spoiler warning. You may want to watch Captain America Winter Soldier before you listen to this podcast because we will ruin everything. Enjoy. to Avengers 3, uh, the story about a group of superheroes all stuck in detention together, headed by the cruel Thanos. Will they learn more about each other? Will they actually truly escape detention? And maybe, just maybe, they'll change themselves in the end. Of course. I think uh, Black Widow, for sure, is the Molly Ringwald of the group. Absolutely. Would and that Tony make... Stark is, Tony Stark is ben... definitely Bender. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Sure. That's what I was, that was going to be my guess. So there you go. And for everybody who's just now catching up, this is a show where we review every single movie in the MCU uh, on our way to Avengers 3 Infinity War, which Potabom already gave the great synopsis for. Basically how the show is laid out is that we're going to be separating each section from the goods, the bads, and then we give a rating. And uh, that's uh, that's more or less it. Is that right, Potabom? Yep, that's it. All right. Is it your turn this week to do the synopsis? No, Kirk, it's your turn. All right. So let's do the synopsis for Captain America Winter Soldier. The film starts out with Steve Rogers running laps around uh, Sam Wilson. It's Sam, right? Yep. Sam Wilson. And we start learning about Captain America trying to catch up with society and stuff like that. While Sam Wilson's trying to catch up with Captain America. He just can't do that, though, because he has super strength and agilities and other things. But basically what goes down, uh, Captain America gets called into a mission. They find out that Black Widow's doing some sketchy things in there. And it starts an interesting discussion of trust and deception and what's okay with the ethics and morals that comes with uh, government stuff uh, which eventually goes into conversations with uh, Nick Fury about practically the same thing and then eventually we find out that uh, all of S.H.I.E.L.D. is compromised by Hydra which then also we figure out that Bucky has been through Hydra brainwashed and is working as a more or less a sleeper agent uh, and working and doing all the dirty work and all the evil stuff that goes along with that. And Captain America is trying to save uh, Bucky with his friendship, and he's also trying to save America with uh, America stuff, and uh, realizes that some things have to die in order for other things to live on and uh, and all that stuff. Probably Beautiful. not the... probably. That was probably a more thematic uh, synopsis rather than yeah, like, that, the plot. Yeah, didn't talk about the plot at all. I think you got talking about laughs, and that's where you lost it. 
<laughs> Everybody has a good laugh at the end of this movie. That's not true at all, actually. Nope. <laughs> some, of them, some of them definitely don't have a laugh. I think, uh, I, I think Sam, you know, Falcon and Captain America hangs out and they laugh sometimes. Oh, yeah. I was thinking more of the dude who got, like, burnt to a crisp, like, bacon man who just doesn't have a laugh at the end. No, absolutely not. You Do you have any interesting uh, history or stories with uh, about seeing this movie the first time or anything? Nope. Not really. Well, I was in the middle of college at this point, and if you know anything about uh, college and doing any forms of media studies... Uh, you very much learn to absolutely hate every uh, aspects of the media when you do this. And, of course, uh, my biggest complaint um, about pop culture at the moment was the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, of course, I went into this movie and just hated every minute of watching this. And this is the same time that I went and saw uh, the Lego movie, too. They came, about, came out right around the same time. Lego movie came out in February, and this movie came out in April. And I just hated watching both of them. I was just, uh, I, I just like all the corporal cynicism and stuff like that. So I, I haven't seen it since. I was very much looking forward to watching this the second time to put away those kind of thoughts and stuff like that. And uh, try to see it, what everybody else saw in this movie and uh, give it a good old second chance. So I was looking forward to doing this one. And... <laughs> We'll get there when we get there. Okay then. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not giving anything away. I I've got plenty of goods for this movie because Perfect. I'm just gonna tell everybody right now. I love this movie so much. Like, it's funny because you I, you were so apprehensive about it that I was kind of nervous watching it again. And then I uh-huh. rewatched it. I was like, no, 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 no. This movie is just this, this movie is just amazing. Um, right. So, uh, I guess first off, I. I like the story took a unique turn. Um, it could have easily been just an obnoxious fish out of war story about Captain America not understanding basic things. Like he could, it, there there could have easily been a scene where Captain America doesn't understand the internet. Like hundred yeah. percent, totally could have existed. And you know, some films would have done that, but like, yeah, in it, some ways, it feels like that would have been like a uh, James Gunn move. You know? Yeah, or like that that would have been like an like. Um, yeah, some like the other comedy directors, which ironically the people who directed this are well known for their comedies. Um, yeah. But it, 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 it would have been a, ch- I want to say cheap move, but it would have been an easy to do move that I don't think anyone would have blamed a director for doing. But uh, they made a much more intelligent decision, which was to show how out of out of touch Steve Rogers is with the world by comparing and contrasting his ideology to societies now and giving him. Technically, he gets the same villain he did in the first Captain America movie, uh, but a completely new 21st century ideology version of these this um, former Nazi group that is basically just decided to play the shadow game, which is not what was happening in the 40s movie. Like, you know, that was big, bombastic evil, and this is like a lot more insidiously evil, creepy that I think everyone can relate to being is so much more horrifying of like, you know, all this stuff that's happening behind closed doors and, you know, secrets on top of secrets. And then like, you know, this layered horribleness that works really well for the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. And it wasn't, um, and in doing that, it 
<laughs> it destroyed S.H.I.E.L.D., which was, like, the framework of the whole MCU beforehand. Um, yeah, like absolutely. Cohesiveness, and it's just like, no, 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 th- this is done. Um, and by doing that, it gives, like, a, not only you don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the movie now, you don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the movies from now on. Like, right. without that framework gone, those are kind of more up in the air, like, kind of like, what's going to happen now? Um, I wish more of these standalone movies would take that kind of feeling. Um, we talked about with Black Panther um, and Iron Man yes. 3 a little bit. The best standalone movies are not just random stories that just happen and don't have any significance. So right. I appreciate that story. And, um, and to steal this term from pretty much everybody that talks about this movie, the, the status quo and stasis of, of the world of the MCU is completely changed by the end of this movie. Yeah, exactly. They don't pull any punches. They don't try and keep anything, um, you know, to use for later for the most part. Like, if they're, they're tearing the whole shield down and that's it. Like, right. it's it doesn't come back. It comes back in the TV show, but kind of not really. But for our purposes, it's gone. Yep. And that's great. Um, I, and Nick Fury is pretty much out of commission for the majority of these movies as well. I mean, he shows yeah, up in he, Avengers 2, but that's, and that's his only yeah. showing, right? Yep, yeah, that, so far that's it. He disappears after that, which is crazy because he was like another of the things that was like a solid thing of oh he's going to be in the next movie. Of course he is, and he's just not there anymore. Like, which is weird. Um, so there's a lot of fun chemistry with all the actors. Um, I think all the actors did a really good job. Robert Redford was an insane get to have. Uh, yeah, really added a lot of credence to um. The idea that this movie's not a superhero movie, it's a political thriller that just has Captain America in it. Like, he got dropped in the wrong movie, which works so well um, for what it's trying to do, and having Robert Redford helps a lot. Um, But specifically, uh, the chemistry between Steve Rogers and uh, Sam Wilson, Falcon, and him and Black Widow are fantastic. Um, Mm. Falcon's my favorite. Like I, he might be my favorite character in this whole movie trilogy. He's just, <laughs> he's just the best. Like, pretty sure my notes literally say the very first thing is the Falcon is the bleeping best. So, <laughs> um, I, I just imagine you writing bleeping down on the paper. It's yeah. Just like if anybody finds this, it's like oh no, they'll know. I swear. Um, so, oh yeah. golly gee, Willikers! Oh shucks! <laughs> Language. <laughs> So, yep, uh, so Falcon is obviously the my favorite, so I, like, I love every scene that he's in. Um, he has this, like, fun energy as a fun sidekick partner character to, which lets Steve Rogers not be funny, which is perfect. Um, it's nice yeah. having one of these yeah. MCU characters not be really funny. Um, and Steve's not humorless, but he's also not Tony Stark, where he's, like, quipping all over the place, right? He'll get in right. a jab every once in a while, like a regular human being, but... He's not a catchphrase machine, and yeah, I love and this that. movie reflects that. This movie isn't a quipper, McQuip the movie. You know, this is yeah. absolutely uh, stoic in the sense of uh, of Captain America. It it reflects the main character, the like uh, tone of this movie does. Exactly, um, and then with uh, Steve and Natasha, the 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 banter is fun, but I what I really appreciate is it wasn't a romance. Um, so many of these movies, you know, the two attractive leads get together and there's obviously like, you know, they're into each other because that's what people think attractive people do. But that's it's nice that they were not into each other at all. Like they were just they were friends, work friends. That's it. And it was great. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, and then one one more. Um, the movie, whoever they hired for the fight choreography in this movie, they are not paying them enough because every fight scene, every battle scene in this was so well choreographed. And not only that, but it felt like it was way more real than a lot of fights do. Um, I just remember when I went to go see this, that boat scene, and there's like mm-hmm. multiple parts where he's hitting people with his, like, you know, punching people and hitting them with their shield. And like every time he hit them, there was like this satisfying, like, thump to it like it had like real weight to it um yeah and all this everything was inventive and it wasn't boring like you know we got a car chase scene but it was a really cool well executed car chase whereas a lot of these are just like two cgi monsters punching each other and it's super boring Um, right whereas this was a lot more fun i will give it props for not using or relying too heavily on cgi it did feel really authentic seeing the stuff like that but I will uh, disagree with the fact. I think uh, the elevator fight scene is the only real memorable one of the bunch. Um, I wasn't uh, the most impressed with anything else that I saw. Um, the, the 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 boat was fair. it. The I will say that the boat scene was a good like uh, warm up. Like that felt like you know like things are 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 going well and we're just you know doing a routine thing and that yeah that felt like that felt like right with the tone of the beginning of the movie but i yeah the car chase scene i thought was i wouldn't say forgettable i'm not gonna say like this is all bad or anything like that but i just um you know i wasn't invested in any if there was a fight scene that happened i just kind of you know tuned out I I was kept I like really like them. I mean, you mentioned the elevator one and like that's just clearly Yeah, that's from, the clear winner, I think. From beginning to end, even shot beforehand with the like additional climbing claustrophobia as that scene happens until it finally hits the tipping point of, you know, when Cap finally is like, Alright, this is gonna happen, I'm gonna get the jump on them before they do. Right. Um, and like and also be like a polite person of like, hey, you can get out right now and I won't punch you in the face, but if you stay in this yeah. elevator, you're going down. <laughs> like that, It's just such a Captain America move of like, he's being polite, but at the same time, Authority. you know that you're not <laughs> doing what he says is not going to end well for you. Um, so, yeah, that. but that whole scene is masterfully done and it's nice and then having j- moments jumping like Jumping out that. the glass of the window was, was great. Um, yeah. And, uh, like, uh, you see him throughout this whole movie and last movie, The Avengers, of him jumping off of things without parachutes and, and you know, nothing really happens to him, nothing bad. And then you f- you see, like, an actual uh, good uh, reaction or, or um, outcome from uh, him jumping off the, the elevator and landing and, and it not landing the way you would want him to or anything like that. No, like he, it's not he a gets graceful hurt. landing. He gets, yeah, is, it's not graceful. He gets hurt. So it yeah, was good to a, see that. Yeah. It's part of that nice weightness of like punches are not, you know, just something that people just shrug off. Like you get punched. You're like, you're going to react to it somehow. And that's whoever did the, the choreographer that I think they actually did it for daredevil too. Uh, the first season of oh, daredevil. Well, were they the same makes sense. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And yeah, I think just... I think that people at Daredevil really knew how to shoot their their choreography. Uh seeing that, that hallway scene is just as masterful of a fight scene as you can get. Like that was great. Exactly. Like again, whatever they're paying that person or they're not paying them enough or that team, they, they just yeah. need to keep them forever. Uh 
because yeah. they're way better than two CGI monsters punching each other in the face. Like I'm Absolutely. sick and tired of that. I well, to be fair, I feel like uh, Incredible Hulk was really the last time that happened. Uh, right, but it was like I, I guess by CGI monsters, I just mean like <laughs> or even like the actors in like you know where they're obviously CGI or like. You know, it, yeah. or like somebody and, in an Iron Man suit where it's like, yeah, it's not a monster, but it's like clearly or, not. Robert Downey Jr. is not flying in the air and punching people in the face. Like, Oh, true. Or yeah. on top of that, like the locations they're at are very clearly CG. Like the Guardians right. movies are obviously they're not in space. Um, and it just, you know, it looks like they're not really at the locations they are. Even right. though it's beautifully animated and looks gorgeous. It, you, there's still something about it where it's people uh, in front of a green screen, you know? Um, yeah. You, you, you still feel the falseness. So, but, yeah, I, I, I agree. I I agree with that they went with the right approach with the fight scenes. I just personally didn't find anything um, too memorable uh, other than the elevator scene. Um, that's fair. Uh, do you have anything more? That was my three. Okay, cool. I got three as well. I kind of got four, but really one of them goes with the other. Uh, but first of off, I think overall uh, this movie is just hugely improved on everything that the first movie uh, attempted. Uh, so that goes with friendships between characters. That goes with the look, uh, lack of CGI, and and stuff like that. And then the one that I actually noted here is that Brooklyn actually looks like Brooklyn in that flashback yeah. And, like, it's just like, there, that, that's exactly what the first movie should have looked every time they went to Brooklyn. Like, that had so much character and, like, felt like you were actually in the location. So, uh, that's, it's just like, Brooklyn, there it is, I see it. <laughs> it's look, It looks disgusting and horrible. It's Brooklyn, that's it. Yeah, perfect, yes. And, um, yeah, so, I, and not only that, but, like, it felt... Like, even on top of that, that the flashback scene is between uh, Bucky and Captain America. And, like, I actually believe their friendship in that, like, two-second scene, you know, that two lines of dialogue, basically, than basically all of the first movie. Um, and, but on top of that, like you said, uh, Falcon, who you claim is your favorite character of the whole trilogy, I might agree, uh, watching him and Captain America, you know, it's just like, oh, I see their friendship, I see why they're connected, and I see them actually working well off of each other. So, like, I really liked uh, seeing Falcon and Captain America together. So, basically, everything that the first movie tried to do, uh, this improved on it. So, my second thing is that the plot was great, and I especially love uh, the scene where Hydra reveals itself at the... at. Uh, Captain America's old base and we're there with the old computer and the guys talking and something that sounds kind of like Microsoft Sam and stuff like that. It sounds very uh, computery and robotic-y and all that stuff. It's like, that was such a great reveal. Um, and basically the, the plot made all the right decisions on when to reveal things and uh, how to show them and stuff like that. Uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it totally did. And yeah, it was fun bringing back that old villain from the first movie in a really yes. logical way and having him be the one to deliver the news instead of just, like, somebody who we don't have even, like, the slightest bit of history. Or, like, you know, it could have been easy to have, like, some random agent finally say, Hail Hydra, and that was, like, the reveal. Whereas, like, here, 
we got the explanation. We got the personalness of this guy really just wants to monologue until he kills Captain America, which is a, another fun twist on top of that. Is like, I've been stalling you. Bye. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. And it is kind of weird that he stalled them by giving them exactly uh, accurate information. I guess you could. Yeah, I think he wanted to tell somebody before he knew he was going to die. He's like, I want you to know how badly I got you. It's like, look how much we won. You you don't have a chance because he thought he was going to die. Right. And also, it's it's the age it's the age old comic book tradition where the villain shows all their hands. Um, and this was actually a meaningful way to do it, though, because it's just like, oh, by the way, the, the organization you work for and completely trust, or well, Captain America, maybe not so completely, but, you know, trust enough. Uh, yeah, we were Hydra the whole time, by the way. Um, yeah. Just, it was, yeah, just a very good uh, adding insult to injury, uh, adding salt to a wound or insult to injury. Um, very good moment. And... Uh, I have my uh, quips with it, or qualms, or or quibbles, uh, but overall, like that, that was a good reveal, and the plot functions uh, exactly the way it's supposed to. And then on top of that, with that, in some ways, some people say the plot and theme is interconnected, and the themes of this movie, as I've talked about in my synopsis of trust and friendship and all that good stuff. Uh, is very well handled, and what a great character to use that concept for, with Captain America and facing a bureaucracy, government agency of S.H.I.E.L.D., and having those conflicts um, and hesitations of, I think you're not doing the right thing type stuff, and I'm going to do what's right, I'm not going to follow orders or, or go along, you know, just like the Nazis did type stuff. I don't know if that line was ever said, but... Uh, no, but that idea somewhere. is pretty much true. And it's a nice yeah. reminder that Captain America is not an American stooge, I guess, if that makes any sense. He's not yes. all for America all the time. He's for the America that he basically is just the wants the embodiment of the American dream and ideology of the good parts of it. But if America, the country itself, is not doing that, he hasn't wants no part of it. Like... Right. So, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s in a U.S. organization, and they, if he was, like, the, you know, American stooge, he would have totally gone for it. But instead, you know, and with this and other movies onwards, we'll see his independence of, no, he trusts himself enough to be like, I know what's right, um, and I'm going to try and do what's right no matter what, even if it goes yep. in the face of America. Yep. And that's that's very nice, compatible, and and it's just a good moral or just a good theme to have these kind of conflicts. Captain America, the most patriotic superhero of all time, disagrees with the government and goes against orders and stuff like that. Those are really bold moves and bold movements uh, to make with a movie like this, and that's very commendable, I think. All right, well then, let's get on to the bad. So. Well, I guess you went first with the good, so I guess it's my turn to go first with the bads, right? You got this. I got, got this. this. I got this. So, at the end of the day, as much as people talk about how plot structure and themes and how stories are told through film, there's, you know, a plethora of ways to go about it. Um, there's no such thing as a right way to go about it, but generally, people have, like, formulas that are taken out 
and you can dissect it and show off how great a movie is by how the story is presented and on stuff like this. And there's no doubt in my mind that this movie has a great plot and great themes, as we talked about before. And in some ways, that's all you need to have a great movie. Sometimes you don't need to have good acting. You just need the good words. And this movie has great dialogue. I actually went through uh, a lot of the IMDb quotes and went through a lot of the dialogue. And it's just like, oh, wow, that's actually, you know, a really good conversation to have. And sometimes you kind of need that. Um, outside of watching the film, just reading what they said by itself. And it's just like, oh, that's actually pretty poignant. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the film medium, I believe, is more of an emotional uh, connection with the material, emotional connection between the material and the and the uh, viewer. Much like music is, at the end of the day, you can put logic into music, into melodies and stuff like that, what sounds good psychologically to the viewer. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's a completely emotional feeling you, and connection you have with music. Uh, sometimes music has, I guess, stories or stuff like that with lyrics and, and things. But if you if you take music by itself without any lyrics, you have a completely emotional experience. And um, and some ways, uh, David Lynch has that same kind of emotional experience and it doesn't work as a logical one. Um, so this is a really long and about way of going. I'm not very emotionally invested in this movie uh, at all. Actually, I wrote down uh, a couple of, of the emotional cores of this movie and um, uh, please add some for me, Potabam, if, if I'm forgetting them. But I, uh, by my calculation, there was five, like, emotional cores to this movie. Captain America, Bucky, uh, and, and Bucky coming back to life. Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and that all ending and stuff like that. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. being taken over by Hydra. Uh, Falcon and uh, Captain America's friendship, as well as uh, uh, the stuff he does with the soldier and his free, uh, the soldiers, the veterans in their free time. And then uh, Captain America and... Uh, Peggy Carter. I guess you can also add Captain America and his relationship with Black Widow uh, in there. Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly an emotional core uh, going along with everything else. Out of those five things I listed, uh, two of them work for me. One of them, uh, not really. Um, and I guess I did just talk about how much I loved the reveal of the Hydra thing, but that actually... Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. being secretly taken over by Hydra was actually uh, something... In general, I didn't care much for. I liked how it was revealed and put together in the movie, uh, but I'm I, I wrote this down in my notes. I'm two minds on that one. I love the idea and reveal, but at the end of the day, I never really liked Shield in the first place and never fully trusted them, uh, as we shouldn't have because the Avengers established how much of Shield we weren't supposed to trust in the first place, um, and then. Uh, so when this happens to the overall stasis of the Marvel Universe, it feels very meh to me. Uh, that's what I wrote down in my notes. And then, um, yeah, just Bucky coming back to life. As I talked about in the first Captain America, I really did not like Bucky in the first place. And him coming back to life, if I feel like I knew that he was going to come back to life when I first went to see it. But if I didn't, I can just imagine my eye rolls of that reveal happening. It's just like, of course we're doing this. And it's just like, great. Like, 
there goes his death that just got even more shortchanged or shorthanded in the first movie, and now he's just back and just evil, and, you know... And it doesn't explain much about how they preserved him or anything like that. That wasn't really my concerns, but, like, it's just, like... It's just, like, Bucky and that relationship with Captain America I thought was problematic in the first place, and it's just, like, I don't want that to continue. Uh, Nick Fury dying and faking and stuff, like... What? Yeah, sure. Like Dark Knight did it too, uh, but we actually like see Gordon interact with his family, and you feel the lies that he had to do with that. Um, I don't recall anybody being too relieved that he was back alive. Like Black Widow was very heartbroken to see um, Nick Fury dead, but I didn't feel like a big relief when he was re- revealed that he wasn't dead. Um, and so that just felt very shorthanded to me. Um, and then, uh, Falcon, I talked about, I guess I didn't really talk about it, but I really love the idea that he's in charge of this veterans, uh, uh, I guess, what, what do you call it? Like, a a group where they come and exchange stories and talk about how life just doesn't seem the same. And I love that reflected off of Captain America as well. Like, that was a really good... Uh, moment that I kind of like it's just like oh you know in my heart when I saw Falcon leading that group and talking to, to people and, and stuff like that and then Peggy Carter uh, I I like that and that was probably the closest I got to being teary-eyed in this movie is watching that scene between Captain and Peggy uh, I think there should have been a bigger reveal for it uh, that's me uh, rewriting the movie more so than an actual complaint against the movie uh, but basically uh Captain America throughout this whole movie talks about how he's too busy to date anybody to Black Widow. And I think it would have been a really perfect reveal to have Peggy at the end and Captain America, you know, taking this 90-year-old woman and trying to dance with her or something like that. That would be something I would have done, but that's completely rewriting it at that point. And uh, uh, not exactly the best of criticisms, just a, just a thought I had that would have made that more a little more impactful. But out of... The five cores that I found, two of them were effective to me. And I don't think that is good enough. Um, especially um, for a movie that I think should... It seemed like it was trying to be more emotional and stuff like that. Um, so, that's just... you know, it, it, Nothing, nothing, not a single tear came out of my eye. And you're still talking to the guy that, you know, cried uh, during Click... When, you know, Adam Sandler's dying and he says, family first, and then everybody cries. Wait, you cried during <laughs> Click? You, the last time you said you cried during Interstellar. Yeah, I cried during Interstellar, too. Interstellar is actually an emotional movie. I don't know about Click. Yeah, but you, you said you were talking about you yeah, I was cry- saw a planet. Like. Yeah, oh yeah. Just uh, the, the, uh, the look of Saturn in that movie is just gorgeous. And there's nothing in this movie that looks gorgeous like Saturn. <laughs> Uh, I want to say sometimes that it's some kind of bias. Like, I just want to hate things that that is popular. But that's not true because I want to hate Avengers every time I see that movie. And it wins me over every time I see that movie. Like, it's a solid movie to the point where I love it every time I watch it. Uh, no matter how much I want to not like it. Uh, in this movie, I want to like it. Everybody tells me that it's really good. I just have a very... It just doesn't do it for me. And, you know, uh, 
the Bourne movies don't do it for me either, and I would probably compare this mostly uh, to the Bourne franchise, this particular movie. And yeah, honestly, those don't do anything for me either. So um, I get why I get the appeal, but yeah, that that style and, of filmmaking just not my not my shtick. Which is funny because it's kind of like in that similar idea, but but it's it's um, also your character, you know. And uh, it's just safe to say true. that Captain America is one of your favorite characters. Yes, and you carry um, you carry I, the emotional baggage every time you watch this movie, so you know what Bucky and Captain America's relationship is supposed to be. And so when you see that on film and see this on the thing, it does different things to you. Um, I I read a lot of people that don't like uh, Batman Arkham Knight, and I'm sorry to bring up the Batman card again, but I, I would like to say... I brought my history with Batman into that particular story. And so I don't have a history with Bucky and Captain America. I didn't even know Captain America had a stupid sidekick named Bucky until um, until the first Captain America. Like after I saw that movie, I watched like a little documentary or something about it where people were talking about all the characters that were in the movie. And they're explaining like Bucky is a sidekick. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that. So I, I have... I have no history with this and seeing these characters played out, you know, you have to realize I, I'm in a vacuum watching this movie for the first time and seeing Bucky come back like this. And like, I, I appreciate what it does to captain America. I really like what it does at a story standpoint, but I just don't feel anything about it. I don't care because I really don't like Bucky, at least this version of him. I I shall do my three then. Um, you touched on this earlier, and you keep insinuating that I have uh, some uh, like a Bucky Barnes. Uh, Bucky Barnes isn't a character in this movie. It's <laughs> a huge problem. Bucky Barnes is a MacGuffin yeah. that just exists, and it's it, and it's fine to have a MacGuffin that causes the character to move forward. Like a lot of fantastic movies have that, um, but it's problematic when it's a character, and a problematic when you're supposed to have an emotional response to it existing. It'd be one thing if we had no relationship to Bucky at all and then had to try and base it off of that, but this movie predicates itself on the false idea that we cared about Bucky in the first movie, and so it builds that idea on an already weak foundation and then gives us nothing to latch onto Bucky to besides like a that, what, two-minute scene in Brooklyn where we get to see him be a human being. Otherwise, he's just like a dude with a robot arm that just fights Cap and then, like, gets really confused about things and that's it. Like, so it's really problematic when the final climax is, you know, Cap, like, you have me to care about because I, I care what happens to Cap and I care about that relation to the plot and if that was all the movie wanted out of me, that would be fine. Right. But the movie wants me to care about Bucky Barnes, too. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, I do not care about Bucky Barnes in this movie, or in the first movie, or, spoiler alerts, in the next movie. Interesting. I just still don't care about him. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's a definitely... It's kind of hard, because on one hand, in order to tell this story, you need Bucky to still exist. Right. Um, and it's kind of the fault of the first movie for not nailing that correctly but it's also kind of this movie's fault for picking up that thread and thinking that it was solid enough to actually make 
the emotional climax out of when really it's not. Um, it's not good enough to do that. And it, it kind of, for, because of it, the movie suffers a little bit. Not too much, because we still, it's still never focused on Bucky. It's always focused on Steve's emotional connection to Bucky, and therefore we actually have something to care about. But it's still weak. <laughs> it's, it's still weak sauce. Um, so number two, uh, there's a really odd scene. This movie does a pretty solid job of, like, you know, um, callbacks and moments where, you know, something will happen and it will be, like, not too many weird surprises that don't make any sense. Uh, but there's one part where uh, Natasha's breaking into S.H.I.E.L.D. after they, we figure out the Hydra thing and the, their final plan is happening. Um, and then she pulls... So she's disguised as another woman wearing, like, a crazy futuristic mask thing? That makes her look like somebody else. And then midway through a scene, she, like, peels it off to reveal it's her. And then just is like, oh, we were supposed to, like... It's just such a weak moment because, like, we never get the reveal of... Yes, we know S.H.I.E.L.D. has a lot of cool technology. But being able to, like, change your face is, like, really out there. You need to have something to, like... You, even just, we like, needed a, a setup. Scene. Yeah. Yeah, we need a setup or even just a scene where, like somebody's in the lab as like steve's walking through shield and they like they have the mask and you can see the mask change faces like that's literally all we would have needed. yeah that's a really good but point that, that mask would have been surely really helpful when they were you know at the apple store looking up important uh yeah it was, yeah so or you know when really sam jackson didn't need to like almost kid like pretend to die he could have just worn that like you know logic um but yeah it, it's it opens a bunch of like can of worms of well, now you have the ability for people to change who what they look yeah. like beyond just being, you know, secret agents. While well, it's also this problem of, well, how how are we supposed to like know that twist was happening? Like yeah. even the Hydra one, there's a little bit of like build up to that, and it kind of makes sense once it happens. You're like, oh, even though like yeah. it doesn't give away major clues it, or anything. It like almost that. it um, almost got even set up in the first Avengers with the fact that they're going to use Hydra weapons to fight off this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like it, if we watch you, yeah. the first one, we know that Shield's up to something already. Right. So then when this movie happens, like you know, if you watch it in the correct order, you're like, oh my god, like, yeah, it totally makes sense. Right. So, but that, that, that part really stuck out to me in a movie that is very, very, very tight on its, um, on its production, like, in its plotting and making sure there were no loopholes, um, because they, <laughs> the directors both said they wanted it to be, uh, honest trailers, like, movie spoofing proof, um, to make sure there weren't weird plot holes and stuff like that, so they went through it, like, to a T to figure that out, so that's a weird exclusion to not tie up that whole loops and well maybe they had to delete um, something i i too was pretty confused at what because it seemed like all the technology all the gadgets they had stemmed off of like their phone or like uh i think uh black widow's phone uh specifically and it's just like what else can that thing do like why are we just now seeing like this kind of technology and and yeah it's well the technology is a little bit not set up, yeah. which is part of the part of the what's going to happen if you have a really brisk movie, fast movie like this. And it it works because we're kind of implied that future Shield's got futurist technology, so like a lot of that stuff is not as hard to believe. Of like, oh, they've got like a thing that can cut through streets. Cool, that's that's fine. Like, of course they do. Um, but like, or you know, there's a hover car or like hover cars, like all that stuff's like a little bit. But the face one is just such a like it's predicated on a twist. 
Whereas the other ones were just, they happened to be there because of their technology. This one was like a twist that messed with it. Um, and then there's one, one more really important one. So at a certain point, Cap and Natasha are on the run and they have a conversation about Cap stealing a car. Yes. Uh, they never show him stealing the car though. And for the love of God, why would you not spend five seconds to pretend no, Cap getting no. sick on the side of the road <laughs> and then so, so that he can jump into the car and steal it? And he learned it in Nazi Germany. That's fine. If he wants to pretend that, like, he needs to jump into some hydro car because he, like, wanted to pretend he was sick and throwing up on the side of the road and hopped in, go for it. That stupid homage was, like, it was, like, close enough to be a homage to the 70s movie. Right. But not close enough. Like, I needed to see Cap pretend to get sick and then steal a car using that. And then Natasha gave him a disgusted look of, are you serious? That's how you steal a car? <laughs> this no, no I, it, it was perfect to, to let the imagination go like that. Uh, no, by the way, no, by the way that no, first Captain America movie came out in 1990. Did it really? Yeah, that's how much, oh my God. That's how much that movie sucks. <laughs> it worse. came out a year right that's after even, Batman. That's also even better and worse. <laughs> I don't know which, but either way, like I don't want it to be left in the imagination. I want that to happen. <laughs> what a, I don't care what if it ruins the scummy, entire movie. What a scummy thing to, for that to happen. I want to see Chris, Chris Evans have to read that script and go, you want me to pretend to throw up on the side of the road then hop in this dude's truck? And when he, like, you know, is being a nice person and help gets out of the car, I hop into it and then steal it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, Chris Evans. That's what Captain America would do. There you go. Was that everything then? Yep. I got I got the important thing. The most important thing finally. Okay. So let's go for it. Let's go for the rating. Go ahead, Mr. Potabomb. Yeah, uh, four point five. For sure. Um this is what I want all the standalone movies to be like. This this solidly plotted, this intricate, this in this impactful, this having an actual theme that it follows up on and actually having, you know, it not only changes the character, but changes the MCU entirely. Um, and while it's also giving a unique look at the heroes beyond the super obvious ones, um, a lot of these other movies will get to be like, you know, super obvious pairings. And this one is, you know, having Cap in the 21st century throw him in essentially a political, 21st century political thriller is such a weird oddball idea, but I love it so much. So, Hundred percent, four point five. A hundred percent. As I went through before, um, I do not care much for the logical movies. I think uh, them going through the plot and and you know fine tooth combing it and trying to make sure that it was uh, cinema sins and uh, uh, honest trailer proof uh, probably is the worst idea for my taste because I. I don't care about logic when it comes to film. I care about the feelings and the emotions, and this movie uh, gave me very little. Uh, it improved on everything about the first movie. Great, Greatly plotted, greatly put together. Like, this is a good movie, you know, and I see why people like it and stuff like that. I, however, uh, do not. I'm giving this a 2.75 out of 5. So, there you go. That is Captain America Winter Soldier. Did it win me over? No. It would, 
Did it? Did it win Potabom over? Yes. It already. It already had me at hello. <laughs> it had me at the first shield. Thunk. It, it had me at, on your left. <laughs> on the left. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So next week is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. Will Kirk and Potabom like it? Probably, because it's Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, Volume 1. I've been Kirk Peterson. And I am still Alex Potabon. And this has been Potts versus Pete's. The Marvelous Morons. See ya, everybody. See ya next week. Excelsior, Thor. No, no, no. Captain America Excelsior Pot? Well, I'm going to have to figure that out. Okay. Excelsior, proud to be an American, or no, no, that didn't work. Just, just nope, nope, not doing it for ah, me. Ah, poopy. Hey everybody, this is the astonishing Will Dodds, the guy who edited this video. The music was composed by the invincible Akila Galusha. And your hosts have been the amazing Alex Potabom and the uncanny Kirk Peterson. Thank you, true believer, for listening.